This podcast is part of the GWC Network. For more information on it or to check out some of our other awesome podcasts, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. After the tone, enjoy the show. This is Save Eureka, podcast number 46, Just Another Day. Welcome back, everyone. Yeah. Finale. Finale. I can't believe it. (laughs) I liked liked, uh, Larry's line. Hey, at least I gave us six more weeks to wrap things up, right? (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe I didn't even put that together that was good. i was thinking wow, that's that kinda, entire that uh, entire scene is talking about the actual show itself that's awesome i was like that's kind of clunky exposition but whatever i don't know the president said it was a budget issue nice i'm telling you you know this one kind of cool thing about uh i guess having seen now a number of series end uh, abruptly and planned and all sorts of things. I got to admit the one, one kind of cool thing about having this one episode that was done long after they knew it was over, you know, and everything was done. What was really cool about it is that it focused entirely on that. You know, it was like, let's wrap things up. Let's do what we need to do. And they got in all these little, like, you know, uh, and, and we were talking about this before the podcast, all these little bits like that. All little, little, little jokes in that same scene. The the movers say something along the lines of, you know, well, somebody must have mixed up the schedule because the timelines changed. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, really? <laughs> There's a lot of. I love, I, I like the, um, I love that Larry is just eating donuts throughout the entire episode as well. Is it donuts or bagels? Doesn't he usually eat a bagel? I don't know. It was a bagel or a donut. Either yeah, way. Whatever like he, he always eats. Yeah. He is not in a seed without something <laughs> edible in his hands. <laughs> I love when they're like, when they adhere to the continuity like that, you know, and that it just becomes part of the character. Mm-hmm. I love that they got everybody in. I mean, like Taggart was back, you know. That okay. I, I actually went through and made a list. Of oh, campos. yeah. Um, uh, uh, well, we'll start out with uh, Grant Imahara. Did you? Oh, yeah. yeah, cool. yeah. That was awesome. He was a there. robot. Yeah, wow. So, all right, he's there. So we've got Larry, Zoe, Barish, uh, Lojack, Taggart, Beverly, Trevor Grant, Kevin, um, baby. Um, Jenna. Jenna, yeah. <laughs> and Sarah, kind of. You know, when Andy goes in and closes the closet door. So you get like all of these cameos. It's like everybody. It's like everybody, everybody and anybody except for the pizza guy because, you know, he's dead. Did you, you said Zoe, right? Yes. Zoe. That was the second one I said. Yeah, I, I thought the thing with Taggart was funny. I love that they brought back Lojack because Lojack was in the pilot episode. <laughs> Lojack but, was, yeah. <laughs> but the way that Carter, like, I, I expected him to be like, you know, Taggart, it's, you know, I'm glad you're back from your, you know, <laughs> your traipsing abroad in Australia or whatever. But he didn't say anything. And I'm like, are we supposed to just assume that Taggart's been there this whole time and they just didn't bother fine. talking to him? You know, because that kind of crap happens in Eureka all the time. It's like a, it's a small town, but it's a big small town. You know, there's a lot going on and you, it's safe to assume this must be great from a writer's perspective, right? It's safe to assume that virtually anything could be happening in one corner of Eureka all the time while you're not paying attention. Yeah. I like that. I'm not convinced. No, I thought maybe you had more. I, no, yeah, I guess it. so. I guess so. I thought it, it was a little, it was a little funny, you know, that he just disappeared and then popped up again. But I was glad to see him. Hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're here. I'm just thinking about all the. Uh, I'm trying to figure out what my favorite moment of the episode was. Oh wow. Um, <sighs> Well, I think I, one- I liked all the wormhole jokes. <laughs> I know it's base humor, but I mean, come on, Holly going, wait a minute. I remember getting wormhole by Dr. Fargo. <laughs> I really like the way that Holly basically starts coming back around and remembering her relationship uh, with Fargo. And stuff. Okay. I don't think she did. Well, I think she she felt something for him. I did. I thought she did. No, I believe her, her words were when Fargo says, do you remember? She says, well, maybe in time I will. You know what, though? Here's the thing. 
I think that as you could tell, she started remembering like emotions and connections before specifics. You could tell through the episode. That's what I got. So I think she did remember her connection to Fargo and, and she did remember being in love with him. Right. I, I would remember I would, every moment of it, like all the specific things they did together and stuff. I would I would like to believe that it's that because otherwise it's just like, well, I'm with him because people tell me I am and I'm I based, didn't get that. I, I'm, you know, you know, physically attracted to him. I didn't get that. And, and two reasons for that. One is that, well, I already said one. The other one, I think, too, is that if you remember, like uh, before they really did hook up. Holly is really an independent kind of person without those beforehand. She was, you know, she didn't default to anybody. She was very much like her own person and she made her decision, you know, and, and I get the feeling that when she reset to that, no amount of pressure would have pushed her in a given direction. She just would have ignored it and plowed on because she's used to doing that anyway. (laughs) You know what I mean? She was kind of aloof in that she just did her thing and she didn't give a damn whether anybody else (laughs) cared or not. Well, well and you it, also compare that to uh, Parrish's uh, attempt, where yeah. he's basically just laying it on a little too thick at all times. It reminded me a little bit of in Back to the Future when they go back and, and they're trying to get uh, Lorraine to fall in love with George McFly like she's supposed to, you know? And it's like, how much are they really pushing here? We know that Lorraine is, we know that they're capable of falling in love. And even though she hasn't done it yet, it doesn't seem wrong for Marty to try to get that to happen. It does seem wrong for her to be interested in him, you know, obviously. So Mm. I feel like we know that Holly has fallen in love with Fargo before. And when I think it's Allison who asks her, do you remember? She says something like, no, but but he is kind of cute and his glasses are, are cute. And so we already see the inklings of an attraction there. And and I got the sense that she had sort of a vague remembrance of being close to him. If if that if, if nothing well, yeah, else, you could tell you that know? early on. And yeah. then I think that grew into as throughout, even in the previous episode a little bit, but especially in this one, you could see she was starting to make emotional connections, and you could see that emotional connection growing, like uh, when she would remember feeling a certain way about the city and feeling a certain way about her job. And then yeah. feeling a certain way oh, about yeah, him. Oh, yeah, because remember, she says, oh, yeah, I remember. You know, you guys are all geniuses, but the sheriff is the strong decision maker or whatever. He's the strong force. That He's was awesome. Force, I yeah. love that. Yeah, that, that was a really cool way of uh, of saying what, what happened there. And it is. Um, I do like that sweet moment where she says, oh, well, I want to I remember, too, so I want to get caught up, too, so I can feel sad as well. Yeah. Oh, that was nice. It was nice. Yeah, I, I thought it worked out very well the way that Holly was sort of a... Uh, she was kind of our device in a way for remembering about why Eureka is so important because seeing right. it through her eyes, her her new eyes, really. Yeah, I th- yeah the, 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 I I choose to look at it in a in a positive light because uh because other than a little inkling of of the that that um yeah, I really like this episode and. I, I, the, the only real problem I have with it is the loss of character development, which is what the show is based on, right? Is that, you know, you, you lose that memory and you really lose uh, what for, uh, I would say, all three of us is, you know, most favorite part of the show. You, you lose part of the show because... With you know, Holly? That char- yeah, well, because that character development is gone, right? Well, like, I you lose it- that piece of, of, of what people have become... Because, you know, if you don't remember it, did any of it really matter? I think it's reintroduced as potential, though. Right. Because now we know what can happen. And we've seen that before. Like, we know what can happen with Jack and Allison in another timeline. And then, you know, it's not lost. It's Oh, wow. That that moment where he has a moment of deja vu from the alternate timeline where Allison was pregnant. Yeah. Oh, I got to tell you guys. Like it was a dream. My, I think. And this is crazy because there's so many good moments. It's really hard to say. But the moment that I almost teared up a little was uh, was when uh, Joe proposed to Zane. Okay, that was awesome. I actually yeah. went back and watched the season two episode equals MC question mark. Is that he, the one? She that- has the jail cell set up exactly the way that Zane did when he ordered all the stuff off the internet. Yeah, I remember. With the matador the, the, painting the, in the background and, you know. 
that, that was that reference to a Zane that she's lost, where basically the first time she really sees him, he's ordered all this stuff off the internet and he set up his jail cell the way he likes it. Yeah. And, that, and she did the same thing to set it up for him. I mean, that's just fantastic. Yeah, I got that too. I, I thought that was awesome. And uh, I remember that scene where he, you know, was being sort of crude and gave her the, the lingerie and stuff. And I thought it was cool that she reenacted that. Yeah, he, he, he gave her 12 boxes of lingerie. <laughs> it, it was a great moment. Yeah, I had, um, I guess for me, you know, that really, that really meant a lot to me because I felt like, uh, we saw a big change in, uh, you know, we saw a big change in Joe a, a little while back there, that moment where she decided she was in and, and her allegiances, which had always floated around and she was always wishy-washy from the very beginning in more than one timeline. And then, and then finally she just made the decision I'm in. And from that moment on, she was part of the family and she was an awesome, awesome character. And, and to see her, <laughs> take the last step to let go and admit that, you know, one of the hardest things in life is, is accepting your flaws so that you can actually work on them. So you can actually do something about them. It's very difficult. And it's this huge positive step. And she realized, I think over the last few episodes that she, uh, you know, that one, she was based on her past experiences and difficulties and everything in life. She was, uh, she was a bit wishy-washy when it came to things like that. She was afraid of failure so much that she wouldn't try in in personal things, uh, right. if not professional. And she just completely threw that out the window and led with her heart. And to see uh, to see that work out, uh, you know, I know it had to be a little sudden for the writers because they probably hadn't planned to do that. Uh, but it didn't feel sudden either because it didn't. You felt it like really it, didn't. It had been there all along, you know. And yeah, it, and it, it was just waiting for that one leap where one of them, either Zane or or Joe, well, it really had to be Joe, said, "Okay, um, enough with the pretense. Enough with the the back and forth. I love you. I want to be with you. There it is." And I think that's really the first time I, that you actually see them, like actually say I love you to each other and, and have it returned and yeah. there's no pre pretense to it. There's nothing. It's just two people in love telling them, telling each other how they feel. And that's just, it was a, it's really great. And I, I, it's like, yeah, sure. They had time for a little bit more Joe drama, but I think it, if it wrapped things up really, really well for that, uh, that storyline. I think what else is cool, too, to add on what you said, Chuck, it's really hard to recognize your flaws. But I think in this case, this was Joe's biggest fear. Yeah. And all right. wrapped up into this gigantic fear of being left out. You know, she knows that she's not a super genius like Zane, and that's been a problem for her in the past dealing with that. And it's kind of a reflection of what Allison did just before she and Jack got married, which is this kind of pushing away because she's afraid that it's not going to work. And Joe had gotten to the point in the past with the other timeline Zane where she was ready to commit. And then she lost that and it, it played on her most enormous fear, which yeah. I think right. was what caused all her wishy-washiness. And finally in this, position this physical position of acceptance on her knees not just to propose but almost accepting i'm ready to give up living through my fear and i'm just going to do this i'm i want this and that was really awesome to see her with clarity and conviction you know along those same lines i felt like the henry grace relationship had a similar kind of of situation henry has had a really tough journey uh, as we've talked about a lot, you know, understatement of the year, sir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, he's gone crazy a couple of times. He's justifiably, he's done, bad just, he's done bad things. He's done good things. He's done bad things. He's, I mean, he's had to take responsibility for bad things that he didn't even do, you know? And, yeah. and I think to see him finally say, you know what? I'm in it for you, Grace. And, and I don't, 
I don't care what all else happens. I'm going to make this work for you and for us. And that's how it's going to be. And to see her do the same when they both had very justifiable reasons for being concerned about each other and to see it work out to the point where you almost realize that, I don't know, I just got this feeling that whatever timeline they found themselves in, in any combination, he and Grace were going to be together. And that's an amazing thing. That's awesome. I'm so glad that Henry ended up happy, that the two of them ended up happy together. I'm all... all as much as I'm happy about that, I'm also very happy that he did get his chance to fight for her, you know, by going to Beverly. Yeah. Um, you know, he, that, that was the, the biggest problem that he had was, uh, was having to sit on the sidelines and be powerless. And, you know, based on, on Carter's, you know, little, well, you don't have any evidence. He's like, exactly. I'll go get some evidence. And, and, and goes off and, and eventually gets, you know, Beverly to do the right thing. I, I, I think it's great that he had, that he was able to do something uh, uh, about it. Um, it might have taken him a while, but he did get it. He did. Uh, he turned the tide one last time. As did she. Yeah. Because she had the one before it where she was going to literally go to permanent jail, essentially, to. Uh, Special you know, jail? Yeah, to, to <laughs> completely, you know, just to. To keep him from, you know, to protect him. She she was concerned about who he was because she, she wasn't his Henry. And yet, uh, and now we find out the full depth of the changes in him when, you know, they were doing this spy thing together. And then all of a sudden he didn't uh, and, and didn't even know about it. And she didn't tell him and she changed for him and would have gone to jail for him. It was, that's why I say, I think in any timeline, you know, they, yep. They really proved it, you know. I, th- I think it shows a lot of growth too that um, uh, that he's actually able to accept that position as head of GD, uh, especially after the the uh, the crap that he gave Stark about it all those years ago. It's so right, though. Oh yeah, it like is. in house rules. You know what well, it was? That remember, conversation. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. Say, say what you. Well, that was, conversation that he had with Stark um, when they were all trapped inside uh, Sarah, yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, that's what I meant. And he, yeah. yeah, and he was talking about, Stark made the argument that, you know, people like Henry require people like Stark to administrate and basically push and get the funding and, and make practical. Well, and I, I wonder if the difference in perspective from taking the position now to uh, to criticizing the position then is his world's a little bit bigger now is that he's got a lot of people that are close to him that he wants to have succeed. It's not just about his own research anymore. He's got, you know, a, a wife that, that is also in this field and, and he's got all of these people around him that all rely on GD running and continuing to operate. And to do that, you need somebody to lead and to, to, to keep every, keep all the wheels turning. Right. So, I, think, I don't know. Maybe his perspective's changed because his world's a little bit bigger now. Yeah, I, I think that's a possibility. And I think that perhaps that's the most important thing that Henry needed to change. Because while he's always been a really fundamentally decent guy and a good leader, that volatility and that kind of that part of him that you just couldn't completely rely on came from that sort of self-centeredness that he would that we would see come out of him. We talked about it a couple casts ago when basically he would have a personal crisis or, or, you know, like when he lost Kim or when he was screwing with the timeline, trying to get her back. And, um, you know, I think that maybe the change now, we don't really know what would happen to Henry if he lost grace, but I get the sense that he's a lot more stable now and that on top of it, he has grace. So he's capable of being that kind of leader because, you know, not only has he been through all that stuff, but I think he's learned that he can't, well, he can't even, be so self-centered. Yeah, and, and we had even seen a little bit that um, when Grace is taken away, he is not internalizing it like he would um, maybe in, in years past. He, he goes and talk, he is talking to other people about it, right? He's talking to Carter about it. And, um, and he's being open about his actions. Right. You know, I, I think that the growth in Henry comes uh, from experience. I don't, I don't think he's necessarily self-centered or 
uh, or anything like that. I think that he just, he, he didn't have the experience to have the perspective to see things from a lot of different directions, which is something that would be required of the perfect uh, head of GD. And we had Stark, who did a good job as head of DG uh, of GD, but he was, he, he was kind of, uh, he had that administrative perspective and, and Henry had this sort of, I, I, I do my thing and, and I want to see your perspective, but I just, I, he just can't, you know, he doesn't have any experience with it. And, and, you know, you said, you talked about what happened if he lost grace, he did lose grace, you know, he lost his grace mm. and he got a new grace and, and and he did these almost unimaginable weird change things that that gave him i think this wide perspective on on what the world is and what the world can be and what it looks like from other people's perspectives and how there are many perspectives and 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 that's what the ultimate head of gd needs is to to understand uh you know an administrative side to understand a a creative side to understand a personal side to be this uh, this this leader that can take can can work with all these creative people and and yet still be safe and I think something that Stark was lacking, you know, can uh, you know can keep a moral perspective on everything as well, and mm. and I think he has all that now and he's going to be he would not have been a good director of GD on day one or you know right, even right. but he'll be an awesome one he always had the potential to be the best. And, and it was funny. Right. You could tell, I think everybody there was like, yeah, especially the ones that had been through at least some of the time. I, just yeah, I, I think he, yeah, you're, you're right. He's, he has the wisdom now to, to, to be a great leader. You always get the feeling with Fargo that, you know, he, he, he fell into the job. He kept things in motion, but I don't think he, I mean, ultimately he, he wasn't able to keep Eureka going. And, uh, and you know, he, I don't think as a long-term leader, um, Fargo could have worked out. I don't think he had, you know, he didn't have that kind of experience or wisdom to, to, to keep the company moving in a new direction. He just kept it running for the moment. I don't know that anyone could have stopped the GD shutdown though, the way it was. I don't think that was Fargo's shortcoming. No, I I, I don't want to, I don't want to dump it on him either. I just, I, I get the feeling more like as a leader, it was more of, um, keep what was already in place going rather than, Rather than as rather than you know uh, uh, move things forward, you know you know that that kind of difference in management, like yeah, somebody that comes into a project and only only works off of their predecessor's timeline versus somebody that comes in and, and tries to innovate and tries to push new uh, new perspectives and new new ventures. I don't think Fargo is that that person. Yeah, maybe maybe not yet. You know. Maybe at this point in his life, because he's well, still I mean, a really he's, he's young, young guy. And he's inexperienced. Yeah, I mean, that's not to say he couldn't grow into that type of person, but um, yeah, Henry is is a much better fit, I would think. But Fargo, I think, also picked up a lot of perspective from his time running GD. I think his perfect place isn't in charge of GD, but I think he's this so much more well-rounded, well-expressed like, oh, yeah. person now, you know? Yeah, he he's really turned into. Uh, I mean, you you look at the the season one and season two version of Fargo, and 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 the one now, and he is you know in the in the course of a few years at GD, he has matured decades <laughs> worth. You know, he he's no longer kind of a, a post teenager attitude, and you know, he, he's he's very much uh, come into his own. I think. Yeah, I mean, when he first, when the timeline first changed and he was like suddenly the head of GD, it was almost absurd to even think of it. And it was this big kind of, oh crap, how are we all going to help him cover? And now it's like, yeah, you know, he, he does all right. He that was a pretty steep curve for him. Yeah, he had it in him. You know, another person who really uh, grew up a lot, I thought, was uh, Zoe. That was really awesome to see her and uh, Jack on the road oh, again. Yeah. And, you know, instead of her sitting in the back of the police car with, like, you know, the nose ring and the defiant attitude, <laughs> she's sitting up front as a, a medical student and a, a woman. Who's, I love that they use that shot again oh, of, yeah. of her reacting to the... <laughs> and, that was great. And just the just the tie-in and then, and then the explanation of it was just awesome when Carter's like, I'll deal with that tomorrow. 
That was great. I love that. that. It was a beautiful thing, you know? And to show the growth, I mean, from, like you said, from the girl in the back seat with the nose ring to, like, graduating from Harvard and a responsible, awesome adult, you know? Yeah. What what was the reference? Summa cum laude, right? It was like she's really turned out right. (laughs) I don't know how that works at Harvard, but I know at at the school I'm going to, it's, it's, uh, it's percentages, not GPA. Like it's not, if your GPA is above X, you are, you, you know, you get Greek honors, right? Right. Instead, it's like, if you were in the top X percent, you get Greek honors. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's not the grade. It's, it's, amongst your peers right right <laughs> guessing i mean just a fair so guess you're competing okay. against others not just against the system in yourself at harvard i think there are probably some motivated individuals there yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm guessing it's probably a, a the other a thing is thing. like she her character she's supposed to be like what 20 yeah around that yeah yeah also that's awesome medical school right not <laughs> yeah it's 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 not uh <laughs> And let's say it's it's a it's a probably a, a steeper learning curve on that one. Yeah, she's a couple of years ahead at least. You know, because if you think about it, if you graduated at the youngest at eighteen and you went to school for four years, you know that's twenty two, right? Um, right, and medical school is usually eight years, right? Six plus, right? Six plus your uh, your residency and, and all that stuff. Yeah. So figure, um, you know, she was graduating from the school. Uh, what normally would have been 10 years in um, three. Look at you with your book learning. Wow. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> I'm proud of you, Dad. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I pick up things. <laughs> Speaking of Carter, you know, it's really funny because in a lot of ways, Carter developed the least because he was the most developed at the start. He was the center of the program. and, and he, he brought everyone up to his level. But you know what? I, I think... The important thing about Carter is that Carter was missing two really important things at the beginning. He was missing a home and he was missing a family. Yeah. And he got them both, you know? Yeah. When, when Allison asks him, is this the place you want to be? And he says, yeah. And she says, are you sure? And we can see it. We can see, yes, you know, this is, there's no doubt anymore. It's not like I've grown to like this place. It's like, this is home. Well, and you think about the argument of of what Carter's problem was at the start of Eureka, and and I mean they they really do lay it out is that he he was always away. He he never really did have a home. He was off doing other things, and he he never had that roots the the root that he needed. And now he does. And his family keeps growing, which is awesome. I think mm-hmm. I couldn't help but think what a cool yeah. family when we see Zoe uh, giving everybody a hug as she heads out at the end. You know, we see her hug Kevin and and little Jenna and stuff and you've got like people of like all these different ages in this kind of combined family and I just think that's awesome. Oh yeah. Can you imagine, you know, in the same family having your oldest be getting out of college and your youngest be a newborn and and, cool. and a teenager and a toddler? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I I have two siblings. Um, well, well now, now four. But uh, after my mom got married, but I mean, they're they're all within five years of me. So. Yeah, and that's usually how it goes, I think. And and you might get like well, a ten I, I don't know. I would say like it depends on the size of the family, right? Um, it it really depends. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't but know. I would say it's more common for them to be within five years of each other, or ten. Not. You know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, and the larger the family, the larger the spread will be, of course, you know. But, uh, yeah, certainly a family of, what, what, like three kids? Yeah. Right, four, I guess, now four kids separated yeah. by 20-something years. <laughs> okay, that's a bit, well, you know. Yeah, I mean, we, at this point, we've got family members from across two different timelines and... um. Four different genetic pools, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a that's that's a pretty yeah. So yeah, it's it's, it's probably all right. That's probably the least weird part about the <laughs> the family here. You know, well, I, plus you have the house, <laughs> and and that would make yeah. You know, I think at, at the weird uncle, he's like, <laughs> hell yes, I, 
You know what? Andy is like like Uncle Joey from Full House or something. No. Don't tarnish Andy that way. I, I don't know that you know what? I, I think they're the extended family here. I've first of all, I've always been a big believer in extended family. I, I have always believed that uh family is by choice, not not blood, you know? Yeah. And uh and I think the ext- I think I would count Andy and and Sarah as part of the family. Yeah, you know. Oh, definitely. And and I think that's really cool. The idea of the extended family extending to even machines in this case, I think that's really cool. It just shows it's very eureka. It is very eureka. And and you know, uh, we we got to talk while we're talking about Carter. We got to talk about Carter's like uh, flashback. I was just going to ask about that. Did any of you guys think that maybe there was going to be a time travel when that happened? I was worried that he that something was going to happen that would would be bad. But the way that it turned out, that is like the 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 first montage of the end of the series that has actually made sense in story. <laughs> that's funny you know it's like deep space nine you have like a seven minute it. montage at the end of you know it's just the let's play some ds9 music and show all seven seasons right but with this it's like you know it's like oh life flash before my eyes well how was it, it was i know oh that was awesome it was. what did it look like Henry you know said? and yeah. what a great question you know and yeah. i love his answer yeah that's pretty good that's pretty good you know <laughs> yeah I, I I think I, I I was really happy with that actually. You know what uh, you said? I you were worried. I got to tell you, you know, this is I think one of the first like season finales that I just I I I wasn't worried about, and especially by that point, like by the time I got to that point and I saw the feel of the episode and what was going on, I'm like, you know what? I trust these writers. They are going to take well, me the right place. I, and I I guess I really shouldn't have worried because it's like, okay, we have we are doing this episode specifically to wrap it up for the fans, and we we you know, if 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 you had like killed Carter or reset everything, I mean, that would have just been nerd rage all around. It's like, why didn't you just leave it open? Yeah, <laughs> so. I don't I don't do that anymore. You know, I think that. Just for me, and this is not a commentary on you at all. This is a commentary on kind of uh, fandom in general, I think. I I have long since, because of the exposure over the last like five, six years almost, of like being exposed to virtually everyone's like, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. <laughs> you're used to like you, maybe a couple of your friends, and here it's like thousands. You just get yeah, them all the time. Yeah, big community and, and lots awesome, of feedback. You know, and, and you get emails and, and calls and you talk to people and, and you participate in other fan communities and stuff. And I guess being exposed to so many different ways of looking at it, I feel like there's always a way, you know, and another way and another way. And you know, I, I just, I feel like there's a negative return from being in that place where you set an expectation. And then if that expectation is not met, cause there are so many ways to do it, chances are they're not going to meet that expectation and and it, you go away sad. And for me, I look at it like an adventure. I go in and I, I, I'm, I'm excited about what they're going to give me, you know, and, and I guess there are things that are bad enough that would really piss me off or something, but it has to, everybody be- dies. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and that's not likely to happen though, since they did have a chance to go back and reshoot and make right. it what they wanted. Well, that, that's what that's what I was really saying is that you know I I, sh- I shouldn't have had anything to worry about in in that kind of extreme case. It's, it was nothing like that was going to happen. Right, and and even even in that case, I have to admit, like the Hitchhiker's Guide ending, for example, in the books. That sort of thing. Even even that can be kind of fun sometimes, you know. But I, uh, yeah, I. But by the time we got to that point in this episode, I was just like, man, it's clear that uh, first of all, it's the Eureka writers. Okay, I mean they've they've had the trial by far. They've tried some different directions. They know what direction they want. It's pretty clear, and and you could see that the whole episode was like they they talk about episodes being for the fans, and sometimes when they say that. 
it can be kind of cheesy, you know, and this one not, you know, it was just, it was for the fans, but it made sense too. And I think the brilliance of the writing up till now and the design of the universe, like I said, things like there could always be something going on in Eureka. You know, they kept their options open so effectively that by the time they got, they developed the characters so deeply that when they wrapped them up relatively fast, you felt like, you know, they've always been just a step away from this anyway. And you get oh, the yeah. feeling that they will continue. Yeah. Like the, the two moments that made that gave me a sense of closure and, and satisfaction with it were that one where Henry says, what did it look like? And Jack says, pretty yeah. good. And then at the end with Zoe, when he says, I'll deal with that tomorrow, yeah. you know, because you get a sense <laughs> of continuity. Like yeah. looking back, my life here has been pretty good. And looking forward, I'm, you know, I'm ready to take it on and, and just keep doing it. And both of those things together made me feel really just really happy with this ending what a great way to wrap up the series you know we got to talk speaking of we got to talk about uh about james callis's return and I, <laughs> the accent is still terrible <laughs> his sorry. accent was worse but than it before was i think hear it. it was Eight so sport. rusty yeah. I was I was glad to hear. I don't even care. I was glad to hear too. I, I was fascinated. I I couldn't like peel my ears away from it because it was so rusty. I think that he hasn't probably done that in a long time. Yeah. But I have never heard anyone interpret American he, English quite that way. Yeah, it was. But you yeah. know what? You almost got to wonder if he maybe even played it up a little bit more based on the reviews of the I fourth don't season. Know. <laughs> you know what I like about that that whole mechanism for 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 keeping you first of all I just love that uh, you know, I could have gone, I could have, I bet they could have found other ways that I would have loved to, but you know, I loved the idea that Eureka is still out there doing its thing, even if I don't get to see it anymore. And, but, but the, that particular mechanism they chose, the writers chose, I like it for a couple of reasons. You know, James Cowis, when we first met him seemed like a good guy, but was kind of an enemy and converted to a friend over time during that awesome season four arc, you know, yeah, long season awesome. four arc. And, you know, and when he, when they took care of him and he kind of, he knew he had to go and, and do his thing and be quiet about it. And they, they figured out everything. So they took care of him. He came back at the critical time and proved that he's a friend. Like, I love how he was like, I did this. I can do this. And you notice that it wasn't a thing where he had some big plan that he was putting. He just put the right person in charge, said, do your thing, got in his car and left because he's a good guy, you know? Maybe this is a a dumb question, but first he's using the money that he got from the, the, the stock tip, right? Wasn't it like Johnson and Johnson or something? And he, he had, he had purchased stock uh, back in the day. And he had the certificates and it had split. You know, they do that when stock gets too valuable. A lot of times they'll do a split where like one share becomes two or three or something. And, uh, you know, and then those shares have a lesser value, but greater than the original. So it continues to grow. And it had split so many times and done so much that literally he had billions of dollars. Yeah. Was it, was it Johnson? I don't remember. Yeah. And the other thing is um, the time travel. Did he just recreate that device? I guess, or how did he, oh, he never went back. He's been, he never went back. He's he's been in that time. Okay. He kind of just faded into the background. You know, he's like, I'm going to go my own way. And And then showed up at the end to kind of save, which I think is a great tie in actually. It It really is. It works really well. And and one of the, you know, fan, uh, and I hate to even address these, but one of the fan objections, you can nitpick anything, you know, and one of the, one of the things that I had heard were people saying, uh, oh, you know, but, but you can't do that because the government owns all the patents and all this and blah, blah. First of all, who cares? I mean, if you look deep enough, you can tear any fiction apart because it's fiction. It's a movie. But, but when it comes down to it, I think that I don't, I think that even the government is, uh, you put enough zeros on it and you look at at real ugly budget issues and everything. And I think, I mean, you look at what they'll do to save a billion dollars and to see someone come along and say, you know what? Uh, I'll write a check with seven zeros on it for you. Well, and I I think two to nine, whatever it is a lot. (laughs) And two, and two things to address that criticism. One, they still haul the town away. Yeah. They still took all the government property out of there. And two, I mean, it's not like there aren't private contractors for military uh, creation in in the country, right? I mean, 
you know, do you think Lockheed Martin is purely financed by the government? I mean, th- there is some commercial value to private development. So I, I, th- I think it's kind of an erroneous nitpick. Well, I think the biggest thing, too, and this is spirit of the show for me and, and makes sense, is that Eureka has always been about what they can do, not about what they've done. And right. Eureka yeah. is forward looking. It's why it's like you heard Fargo on the phone, you know, trying to save Eureka, you know? Yeah. He's he's sitting there saying, uh, you know, yes, we make some mistakes because we reach far, you know, and that's what Eureka's about. It's not about being practical and doing the next step in in evolution. It's about revolution and figuring out some and they do it so damn often that when it comes down to it, you could take it all away and they get it right back. You know? Well, that's the spirit of uh, scientific invention. I mean, you're go- you have to try things and you have to see what what happens. And you know, I, I, what I, you know, Parrish said they're all free agents at, at at the end of the day. So, you know, they may yeah they may not have all of their government uh, equipment that they developed before, but you can be sure that with that talent pool. They're going to come up with some pretty cool things regardless. <laughs> oh, yeah. How about those job offers that Joe and Zane each got? Holy crap. Yeah, well, you got to imagine I know, everybody I know. there is just going to be hot. Well, that, that's, that goes back to the, the high school references. Like, you know, a, a, a B in, in Eureka is <laughs> an A plus anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Still, it's cool, though, because, I mean, even even though Joe has seen herself as not this super genius like guys like Zane, she still is awesome and the top of her field. And she still mm. gets, you know, like presidential detail offer. And, and what was the other one? Area 51 security director. Yep. That's awesome. I love that. But but she's like, yeah, but Area 51, man, they're a bunch of dorks. Yeah. You remember the bowling tournament? <laughs> There's this place called Warehouse 13. <laughs> Remember the bowling tournament back in the day that they uh, did with the Area 15? They were doing all the pranks with each other that went so. wrong. That was fun. I remember that. It's kind of like Area 51 in uh, in uh, uh, Stargate. You Atlantis, know? It's like yeah. the sec- it, in Stargate, it's like the second second team, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's the B team. <laughs> it is, you know? It's kind of... I always thought that was the conspiracy fun. theorists and the the scientists who get relegated to living out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> you know, um, I have a couple of things, and I think we should go around at least once here, and then uh, take our time. But this is the last official scheduled episode of the Save Eureka podcast. We may do another one, or even. Uh, you know, as, for a wrap up as time goes on, uh, we're working on a few things that might be fun. And of course, you know, we always reserve the right to pop this series back out and drop new podcasts should anything happen. Should they uh, start to do, you know, should the Eureka IP see use in uh, other forms uh, in terms of uh, direct DVD movies or anything else they might decide to do? That'd be cool do. if there was like a spinoff series that played off the... Absolutely, you know. Because um, Warehouse 13 and Eureka already are kind of linked it'd be cool to have another connection in that link absolutely uh absolutely and i i think that that's a possibility um but you know I, a couple of things one i wanted to say that it's been really fun talking about a show again you know i uh we did that for many years with battlestar galactica and then have moved on to doing other things and we've done some short arcs and everything uh, but it was fun to follow through with a show and build week on week. And it, it, it just it felt really good. And, and it's been super fun with you guys. And uh, I wanted to mention that I know we are going to be doing some other uh, filling this uh, time void with some other podcasting of some sort. So uh, keep an eye out because you'll probably see a new GWC Network podcast or, or more as, as time goes on here relatively soon. And uh, I think... I, I the other thing I wanted to say just right off the top of my head was that I'm going to go ahead and say that because of this ending, I think we did save Eureka. <laughs> hmm. You know, because even though Eureka isn't on TV, and we knew that that was a very realistic chance when we first started, it looked pretty grim for 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 this series going away. I think that Eureka is still going on out there, and I'm going to imagine that there are still. Uh, happy, positive, you know, family things going on in Eureka that I just can't see, you know? Yeah, I, I definitely get the 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 kind of bittersweet feeling that the, the that the show is 
the show will always be out there and it's going to be one of the ones that I come back to and watch yes. episodes of so like true. I do with um like I do with the the original run of Scrubs like I do with Firefly Stargate um, Stargate Next exactly gen. it's this is going to be yeah. one of those I Deep think Space this is going to yeah I think this is going to be one of those I I don't want to say niche but classics that 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 I'm always going to refer back to infinitely and, rewatchable Right, and I, I think I'm I, I'm really grateful that they that they managed to uh, to get this wrap up episode and, and and tie it in really well. Um, one other thing I did want to point out is, uh, did you notice the song at the end there? That that um, you are my home song. Yeah. Did you notice, notice who was singing that? No, I didn't catch it. That was Brendan McCreary. Nice. Yeah, they, that was an original song for Eureka. Um, I'll put the, uh, into the uh, forum thread, the, uh, the iTunes link for, for it. It's, it's a really beautiful song and, uh, and, uh, it, yeah, was. I, it was a passion project, uh, by, by bear to, to create that for the fans at the end. Actually, a couple of days before the episode came out, he's, he tweeted, you know, there's a little gift at the end of, uh, Eureka coming oh, up here. That's awesome. I remember and that, that was his gift yeah. to the community. Um, is it, it, it's a really beautiful song, and I recommend everyone uh, go back and check it out. Totally agree, Audra. Wow, I don't, I don't know that there's much more to add because I so agree with what you guys have <laughs> said. Um, I agree that this is going to be one of those shows that I know that for a long time I'll be able, forever, you know, hopefully I'll be able to come back to it. And there's so much heart i mean i know we've said that a lot but there's so much heart in the show and i that's the thing that just gives it that sustained kind of good feeling you know you go back to it and like you mentioned one uh scrubs and some of the other shows that's why we go back to those shows too is because they make you feel good when you watch them and it doesn't mean that every episode is 100 percent happy-go-lucky it means that (laughs) it's it's meaningful, you know, and you feel like you know these characters and you care about them and you kind of um, can recreate that feeling over and over. And that's really special. You know, a lot of shows, yeah, it is. a lot of shows kind of are their best seen one time through or, you know, or they don't give you that feeling or, or whatever, you know, and to have a show that feels like. I don't know. Their their focus is on family, and I always feel when I'm watching it like I'm part of that family. I think that's a really, really special thing. So I am so glad that we've gone through it, too. And I feel like I appreciate the show more having gone back and, and rewatched a lot of the old episodes. And uh, it gives me more to, to draw on, more to remember, and uh, fills in all those little gaps. Like, oh, yeah, I remember. Remember how funny it was when this person did this? And you know, just just like real life, like looking at a photo album and you're like, oh, yeah, bringing back all the good stuff. You know how Battlestar Galactica showed that a, a science fiction program could be, you know, a big, a relatively big mainstream hit and showed that dark could be magic, you know, and for years, everybody wanted to be Battlestar Galactica. And it got to the point where, man, just everything was like a copy in a lot of ways. Turn on the lights. It's too dark. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know what? Uh, I hope that Eureka will stand as as an example of how you can make a family show. And I don't just mean that's kid watchable, but I mean like, yeah, that included. But a show that's about family and and things do work out for people. And that doesn't have to be dull either. You know, and it's original. Yes. Show. Yes. And I, I feel like, you know, having listened to all those Nerdist writers panel podcasts and all that sort of thing, I, I, uh, I get the feeling that the writers take away those experiences with them everywhere. And I think that's awesome because I think you're going to have a bunch of writers that are, there will be a voice in the writer's room saying, you know, we can, we can, we can have things work out. And it doesn't have to be dull. And he, and we can do that. And here's some ways we can do that, you know? Mm-hmm. And here's some ways we can have conflict without it being ugly. And uh, 
there are a number of programs like that now, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like warehouse 13 is, is very much picking up that vibe even more than when they started, you know, you already can see the family sort of building between, between the, the, the members there of, of the warehouse 13 team. And, um, not so much with alphas, but a little bit with alphas. And, and I, I wonder with the new season coming up, uh, what that'll do to it. But if it, it could very well drive them even closer together and we could see some spillover into that. Uh, Audra and I have been watching parks and rec parks and rec is starting to get very much that family vibe. Like yeah, we're the chosen family. We're within like eight episodes of the end, you know, so we're almost caught up. Wow. Uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't checked it out, but uh, I've been hearing oh, really good things about it's, uh, yeah, it's as, as it goes. Yeah, characters that that do bad things sometimes because people do that, but but have good hearts for the most part, you know, and uh, and come through at the right times and uh, and have those moments that just warm your heart, you know. It's nice to have feel good TV. Yes, it is, and and feel good TV that that still has drama. That's high quality. Yeah. 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 And then it doesn't just have to be uh yeah, candy. it just doesn't have to be candy. You're right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm just glad that somebody, you know, that this team was able to take an original idea and put it out there and it's not a cynical show No, and it's not, you know, uh, the kind of show that's meant to rip your guts out. No. And it's really cool that they did that and stayed true to their vision yeah. You know, throughout the whole time and refined it. Yeah. And, and refined it. And it, it just got better. And it, it seemed that they were never, um, you never got this sense that the show was ashamed of what it was or that it was trying no. to, that it was thinking, Oh, we're being too, uh, family friendly. We need to shake it up and throw some, you know, some more gritty stuff in here. It just never felt that way. It was always like there was a sense of comfort, at least post pizza guy. There was a sense sense of kind of comfort, like, okay, this is who we are and we're going to be true to who we are. I love that everybody involved just saw the pizza guy when the episode came out. Yeah. Like, Oh no, 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 no. We're not doing that. No, that's so awesome. There comes a time in every thread of history where there's a turning point. For us, it was the pizza guy. <laughs> yes, it was. I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but anything to say when you wrap up? I, I think we may have already said that's, it. But Audrey, that's my wrap up. Juan? Fargo, get up. We got to put your thing in a hole before it blows. <laughs> nice. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, like Ooh. I said, uh, last scheduled episode, but there may very well be uh, one or more uh, in the near future as we uh, we have some things in the fire to kind of maybe do a little more wrap-up. And, uh, and, and thanks for everybody that did call oh, yeah. in. I know we didn't get to a lot of voicemails or uh, write-ins uh, on the show, but uh, there was a, a steady stream of people commenting, and I, uh, it did drive us to to keep going with this and we had a lot of fun because of it thank you so much everybody and hey we're going to leave the call-in line open at least for a while and one sure way to get another episode of this is to call in because we get enough calls we'll totally do an episode to play them uh that's i think that's never beneath us <laughs> ever oh, no, that's awesome. ever. <laughs> you know you care enough to call we'll figure it out you know we we know how to do a voicemail show <laughs> yes we do so hey everybody Thanks for listening. From everyone here at Save Eureka and GWC, thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch Eureka or other fun shows with some of the friendliest people in geekdom, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. We'd love to hear from you as well. If you have something to add to the show, give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229. And follow the instructions there to leave us a message for inclusion in a future podcast. Financial support from listeners like you keep all GWC podcasts on the net each week. To find out how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash donate.